Jono, Tommy, I'm going to give you a phrase, okay? And I want you to give me an example sentence that includes that phrase and puts it in context for what it means, okay? Jono, we're going to start with you. Time is on my side. Well, at least time is on my side, if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, fine, great. Let's keep I'm it loose. I'm so glad John went first. I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, okay, I thought I I'd start I'm with that. Going, yeah. Right, Tommy, your turn. <laughs> okay. Turn back the hands of time. Turn back the hands of time and imagine you are a teenager again. Brilliant. Jono, back to you. A whale of a time. Ah, uh, when we got the inflatables out, just had a whale of a time. Was there an inflatable whale amongst oh. those? Who knows? Who knows? Lovely. Thank you, Johnny. Tommy, only time will tell. Oh, he's lost eight tasks. Can he go any further? Only time will tell. That's great. A little reference back to The Apprentice. And finally, it's one for me. And the phrase is time well spent. Got it. Investing in something of quality that will endure a lifetime can be time well spent. And so let me tell you about Marlowe Watch Company, creators of British-designed mechanical watches and sponsors of this podcast. With Marlowe, each collection of watches is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. And not only are they pleasing to the eye, they're reassuring to hold and to wear. Visit marlowwatchcompany.com to see for yourself. And if you're looking for reassurance elsewhere, you'll find the words quality and value come up time and again in independent online reviews. Marlowe Watch Company. Time well spent. Right. Hopefully I've got everything and we're on our way. For any potential burglars listening, this is a pre-recorded podcast, so uh, if you're thinking of breaking in, I'm probably home. As per usual, a little bit behind schedule. So I have to get a bit of a jog onto the station. I wish I was more like Jono. Made it. Oh, thank goodness. I've got three minutes before train leaves. So, I was trying to understand if it was an official change or just a short-term change, because she hadn't made that clear to anybody. How long have we got on the clock? about five hours, isn't it? I think about two and a half hours. What? How long does it usually take for one episode? Oh, about eight hours. All the dumb insects got squashed on the windscreens and all the smart ones. Exactly, they've just worked out you've got to fly above cars and not through them. There it is. (laughs) We're not expecting an accident, so if you hear the horn, just call the emergency services. Not planes, not trains, but automobiles. This episode's all about life on the road. Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. Crawling, walking, running, riding a donkey, riding a horse, riding an elephant, riding in a horse-drawn carriage, the bicycle, the tricycle, the whatever happened to ricycles? The motorbike, the truck, the train, the hovercraft, the ski, and of course, the roller skate. All means and methods that humans have evolved to get themselves and their stuff across land from A to B. But hang on, something's missing in this list. The motor car, la voiture, das Auto. Ever since Carl Benz designed and marketed the first series production automobile in 1886, the world has never looked back. I'm Rob Bell, past first time, up in the passenger seat, reliable, sporty, and not just a little bit sexy, he's the Porsche 911 of audio, it's John O'Hay. And here in the back with me, he's fast, he's a one-off, and he's sometimes impossible to control. He's the bloodhound land speed project of podcasting. It's Tom Pellero. Hello, gents. Hello, everybody. And good afternoon. It's afternoon. It's lovely outside. I know. Well, look, something's different, isn't it? Yes, a bit. Very. Um, I mean, firstly, we're all together in the same place for only the second time in our short podcasting history. But more importantly, yes. we're in a car on the motorway. <laughs> we are in a car. Getting some we've, funny looks. Yeah, we've just overtaken uh, Tottenham Hotspurs' coach, in fact. Where are they off to? <laughs> 
So Tommy, Tommy, what's going on? Why are we in this situation for the podcast this week? So brilliantly, we are all going away together. We're meeting a number of other other friends and we're going for an activity weekend of cycling, mountain biking up in Buxton, which can't wait. Yeah, lovely. Uh, now, it's very important uh, for me to stress at this point that uh, we have a willing and able driver in charge of all the mirrors, <laughs> signals and manoeuvring. Um, and that will be making sure we don't impede his operations at any point. Uh, ben, say hello. Hello. There he is. Ben, I mean, I say, I say willing and able, yeah. Did you pass your test first time? I did. He did. He obviously doesn't say anything about how good he's driving. Why, <laughs> why am I so surprised in the back? I, that's a genuine surprise. <laughs> Anyone? I mean, we're, we're all very comfortable in your very spacious Volvo XC90, Ooh, Ben. I have yeah. to say, it's probably one of the best vehicles to record a podcast in from uh, from an audio perspective. I mean, it's brilliant, it's it's spacious. Volvo don't seem to market that much, though, do they? <laughs> we should be in their adverts. Yeah. Driving podcasting. Driving podcast. Yeah. Um, this is this is the Podmobile at last. <laughs> at last to the Podmobile. Uh, I mean, it's obviously going to sound a little bit different uh, for you, our listeners, um, because we're doing the podcast in the car. But, um, you know, relax into it. Come with us on the journey. Enjoy the ride. I'd expect a lot of people will probably be listening in the car, though. So maybe that's, we're making it a complete experience. That's a good point. Ben, do you ever listen to Sketch Malations, the podcast, when you're driving? No, I don't. Uh, I do listen to the podcast. Oh, hang on. have been... <laughs> Way to set him up for that. Oh, now, I mentioned the Bloodhound Land Speed project in my intro there. Do you know what the current Land Speed record is, anyone? I know it was something like 594. Okay. But I think that was broken, and the Bloodhound were trying to get to a 800 or a 1,000. Yeah, they were trying I to think get... they got to something very hard. Sorry, what is the Bloodhound? So the Bloodhound is, you know, it's, it's, it's an engineering... I guess it's almost entirely academic, right? Engineering projects with loads of different companies coming together. It's down together. in Newquay. It's, it's this jet-powered vehicle that you uh, race across like yeah. the sands, uh, flats, basically, and um, get as fast as you can. And the current effort is in going into something called the Bloodhound um, project, which was really kind of gaining guns before the pandemic, and then I think that put a bit of a... Yes, and I presume a lot of it. the Virgin Galactic team who are based at Newquay as well are probably from the Bloodhound project. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because it's all from Newquay, from that airport there, um, and I think it was Noble. Yeah, it was. Was it Richard Noble? Was that yeah. It? He came yeah, to speak. He, he did the chief he did. keynote when we graduated, yes, right? because at the time he was talking about um, air taxis. He was. He was. I remember that talk. I went to school with his daughter. Did you? <laughs> Little input from Ben Check there. This out. We yeah, should do this with the crowd more often. Wow. So the, the current holder of the outright world land speed record is, it was another project similar to Bloodhound called Thrust SSC. Uh, it's a, as I said, it's a twin turbofan jet powered car. And it's driven by Andy Green, who I think is still involved in the Bloodhound. Um, he, that, that achieved 763 miles per hour. 700. Imagine being in now. Imagine You're not that. doing wow. that on the M1 today. Well, and, that, and they, they do it over one mile, and that was back in October 1997. Now, um, Tommy, you mentioned that. Uh, do you know how long the journey we're doing today would take at that speed? So we're doing 139 miles, and according Ooh. to Google Maps, it's going to take not two hours long. and 42 minutes. It's how long would it take? 25 minutes. Isn't 10 it? minutes and 54 oh. seconds. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, the only thing is they would take don't. you a long time to stop, though. <laughs> you'd have to. You'd end up. You'd end up in Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terribly but, fuel efficient, I should imagine. Yeah. So Ben passed driving test first time. Same, same with me, yeah. uh, Tommy. Uh, not first time. Ah. No. Second time. No. <laughs> 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 this could be. A, we've got quite a long time in this car. Yeah. I was. Uh, I was fourth. <laughs> was fourth. Really? <laughs> Which is quite staggering. Really. Ah. Great. Okay. Johnny? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I passed first time. Obviously. Obviously. I don't know why you even bother asking. <laughs> he wrote the test. <laughs> he wrote the test. Does that mean we should feel safer driving with Tommy? Because he's, he, he's a lot more, practice. more practice. really learned. Yeah, all yeah. that practice. <laughs> okay, look, um, the lights have turned green. We've checked our mirrors and the pedestrians have cleared the crossing. Let's drive. Did you know that before? What? No, I didn't. I was hoping that someone <laughs> I should have just said dogs. first. My, my <laughs> money was on Noles. <laughs> Four. 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 It, became, it became such a big deal. Oh. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't until I was like 25. Oh, dear. 
This week, back by genuinely popular demand from last series, we're going to bring you another quickfire episode. And nothing if not topical, we're going to cover a sub-collection of Jono's sublime sketches that feature or focus cars and driving, complete with sound effects left, right and centre. I'll list all of the sketches that we cover in the podcast description so you can follow our journey as we go from stop to stop. And needless to say, you can find all of Jono's sketches at sketchplanations.com. Thank you for all the correspondence you've continued to send in. We'll be going through some of those at the very end of this episode. And we'd love to know what you have to say about anything we talk about here. I mean, driving can be quite uh, quite an emotive subject, shall we say. So uh, I'm sure you'll all have a lot to say about it. And send your emails to... Hello at sketchplanations.com. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, right then, um, Jono, do you want to kick off, kick things off for us? I'd love to. The one I wanted to kick off with was something called Marchetti's Constant. It's it's one of my um, it's one of my favourite sketches actually, and it's such a it's just such a cool thing. I, I think such a really interesting observation, which is basically that as we manage to travel faster and faster. So by that I mean we went from you know we used to walk everywhere to eventually you know we had horses and then trains and subways and cars. Um, our, the constant is that we maintained our average travel time of about an hour's travel a day, no matter what that is. And so what that meant and what that is in the, in the sketch is like a little diagram showing the radius in kilometres of Berlin as it expanded alongside our means of travel and the means of travel as it went from electric trams to subways to cars as they got faster Berlin could essentially get bigger but we weren't spending less time traveling each day as our speed of travel got faster the city just got bigger it just enabled a constant journey time on average of about 30 minutes in and 30 minutes back and um, there are a couple of other like really interesting observations alongside that for example if you looked at ancient greek cities which had you know walls on them they were about two and a half kilometers and at five kilometers an hour if you're walking that was about half an hour in and back like from one side of the city to the other type thing or from to, to, to the extremity like as far as a radius walk. yeah yeah, yeah. if you're going from the outside to the inside it would take you about 30 minutes and then um there's this in, even this observation which was even people in prison for a life sentence who've got nothing to do and nowhere to go still walk around for about an hour a day in the open <laughs> so um, I think it's, yeah it's just so interesting that even though we managed to speed up our transport over the last century or two by so much we're still just travelling about the same time it's good isn't that I wonder if now a lot of people are working from home two or three days a week oh yeah if it's been averaged up over a week and the fact that if you're only going in to the office mm. two or three times you're therefore prepared to go quite a lot longer so it sort of averages out across the across the week maybe so I mean that's that's one of the beauties isn't it of uh, more working from home you're getting all that time back well I say getting it time back it depends how you use that time whether actually some yes. people probably quite enjoy the commute because it's a bit of quiet, quiet time a bit of alone time nodding from the front of the car my, my, my cousin works for himself and he used to live about 10 minutes away from his work and his wife was like it's just not long enough for you to decompress you come back and you start talking to me like I work for you she was like you've got to move your office further away because you need that kind of half hour of chilling out so that we can have a you know <laughs> relationship and maybe that's a, a part of it I know, Johnny, you're very good at making good use of your time on your commute. So, um, I know you're normally it's with your nose in a book. Is that right? I try as much as possible. Yeah, it's a nice, it's nice reading time um, mm. on a commute, or it can be, depending on what you're doing, or if you're driving now, you might listen to audiobooks. I remember uh, my wife had a had a commute where she used to do all her reading, and then she got a new job, which was essentially just around the corner and she found she just didn't read anymore mm. and really missed it that that reading time. And of course. In principle, I suppose, if you've lost that time, you can just get up earlier and spend it reading. But <laughs> but, no, but nobody does that. It's funny, isn't it? You appreciate it when you do it, but you, know, you don't actually make time for it um, yourself. But there you go. I yeah. currently drive as part of my commute, which means I'm on the phone the whole time. I phone my, my sister one day, my other sister, my parents, her friends. Someone like, whereas Sarah commutes on the train and she can't phone anyone. So she finds she can't talk yeah. to her mum at all. 
like it's really difficult for her to find a space whereas I talk to my parents a couple of times a week every week it's yeah and making use of that time can, can I just say before we move on with this because I think it's it's an interesting thing generally with technology and in principle technology made us more effective in this case it made us faster but there is a bit of a history of whenever we put like these labour saving yeah. appliances like I don't know, washing machines dishwashers and, and better vacuums or whatever actually we don't spend less time doing the chores we just do them more often more often yeah and so even though you've you've added more more power to to be able to do do all these things we haven't necessarily managed to make our lives easier this yes. shows so i wonder johnny you know we were talking about previously about the number of friends that you could have your friend circle mm. and mm. i wonder if with technology now sort of facebook and it, where you can communicate with more people yeah that has also filled that gap a little bit more or stretched that previous rule in a similar way to how this is stretched i guess that yeah it's a similar principle isn't it it is a similar principle the use of technology to improve the efficiency of an activity whatever that might be and instead of you having more time from those efficiencies you just fill that time with more of that activity yeah yeah the amount of like whatsapp chats you might be on yeah can definitely believe that and it's interesting so you so all three of us um live in and around london i mean london's a big place i mean in my and in my view and i think you touch on this in the sketch as well actually johnny that that the hour is probably a bit more in london yeah london is unfortunately or at least it was when i did the sketch a bit of an outlier of an hour and a half each day I mean, I'd say yeah. when I when I leave the house, if I've got something going on somewhere else in London, I'll, it's based in my mind. It's basically an hour there and an hour back. Yeah. When was this research yeah. based on, Johnny? Because it feels that it's it's like half an hour is the ideal commute time, but a lot of people are much more like forty-five minutes to an to an hour each way. Or is that just because we what's what we know in London? I'm sure other huge metropolises metropoli <laughs> uh, around the world uh, have a similar. Um, similar findings as well that maybe it goes up a little bit but I, I I reckon on the whole that the hour or half hour there half hour back is yeah it's about right well it was based on Berlin but yeah yeah I hate commuting I really like it <laughs> I just had to there. get that in I've managed to I've, I've, for a long period of my life I basically didn't commute I managed to get my work within five minutes walk and I used to love that like my record was 45 seconds to work I think once what? that was just not in the same building um, but it does mean I get to speak to my family which is really nice but commuting yeah it's a struggle <laughs> right this is a quick fire episode so let's move things along Tom we're going to come to you next uh, what have you got for us we are now moving on to Use of the Horn, sketch 348 for those collectors out there. <laughs> uh, and uh, firstly, it's uh, un- unintended and intended. Uh, and unfortunately, whilst on the commute, uh, this uh, I do find this can slip out with myself. It's those things which happen um, and, you, and you sort of say something or you react in a way that you might not um, really mean to. Um, but often it sort of comes out and... I think there's a, there's a great book called The Chimp Paradox, which I'm sure both of you heard of. Um, if you haven't read it or heard of it, The Chimp Paradox is a brilliant, brilliant book to read. And I think this his, his kind of framing of this would suggest that the, the red parts on these sketch, where you react quickly uh, and you yell maybe at someone back, like Road Rage is one of the best examples of this. You're driving along the road, you're all being calm, and the kind of what um, the author would describe as the computer is in charge. You're in autopilot, right? And then someone cuts you up and and the chimp then kicks in and the chimp is an aggressive powerful part of you and you might find yourself getting really angry and maybe like charging up behind them maybe swearing and then and then you're like the human then cuts in and you're like oh my gosh i almost like i almost charged into that person what was i thinking you know but, uh, and and often um times the the human uh, in this framing sort of spends a bit of time apologizing for some of the bad behavior of the chimp that could come in so uh use of the horn uh, is a very good representation of this um and sometimes um we all can have it um i suspect jono never has this because uh, <laughs> yeah, i can't, say, I can't, I can't remember yeah. doing those but um I, yeah i guess one of the things i wanted to show in this was, was basically like that although the horn is meant to like warn people that you're there's about to be a, an accident or something like that yes. most the majority of the use of the horn is in the actually, uk yeah for other pur- yeah in the uk for other purposes one is like 
just like expressing your dissatisfaction at what somebody else just did yes. another one is to tell the car in front that the light's gone green and that they should move and the last one is like you know hey I've turned up outside your house come on out and there's only a small proportion of horn usage which is actually yes. what they probably had in mind when they when well they designed the on, on that note can I bring up uh, rule 112 <laughs> of the highway code ah um, in the UK uh, which you just happen to be flicking through well yeah. I never go anywhere without it we're on the car Tommy <laughs> come on <laughs> preparedness right next to my uh, I mean it's, it's very clear on the purpose of vehicle horns um, so they're only to be used in order to warn another road user of your presence so that means you should never greet no, you should never honk as a greeting or as an expression of annoyance as you say so you must not use your horn uh, while stationary on the road rule 12 goes on to say and when driving in a built-up area between the hours of 11.30pm and 7am, except when another road user poses a danger. That's it. That's rule 112. Do you find yeah. you used your Hallmark? Like, by the time i Rarely. I've, I almost never think of... The only it. time I do, and, I, and I, I do have to think twice before I do it, is to give someone a beep at traffic lights if they haven't seen it yes. and, I, and I do think oh I don't really want to do this so I wish there was a more pleasant version of it yeah well this is so Jono what I love in your little description of the sketch is that you talk about it being an almost caveman-esque communication method yes <laughs> it's so blunt isn't it yeah but the verbal yeah. equivalent would be oi that's, yeah. that's all we can apparently cool. manage <laughs> And I, was, I bet there's some kind of law meaning that there can't be slightly more pleasant horns, that it would be dangerous. You think of like, you know, the development of emojis that went from like a smiley face and angry face to like about a billion emojis. Mm. Yes. And a horn is still just like, you're either shouting at somebody at the top of your voice or you're off. Yeah. Remember, it's intended use is just to go, hey, 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 I'm here. Look, look, look. Watch yeah. out, watch out. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you been to India much? Well, yeah. This is a good wow. point for me. Yeah. <laughs> Different. This is just constant. Different rules. Little beep, 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 beep. Yeah. yeah. It's a very different method of driving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've I've noticed that when I've been in I think Thailand and Vietnam. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a diff- different cultures of use of the horn, right? Yes. I, me- I remember. Um, I think it was in, Le- in Lima in in Peru, which realizing that when the light was red it didn't mean that you couldn't go through it it just meant that you had to go through it hitting your horn <laughs> and that was, that was the difference uh, but traffic keeps moving <laughs> well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to report that so far we haven't had to use it in the car Ben is uh, <laughs> keeping everything cold the yeah. chimp is uh, safely well locked away in his cage and we have human Ben in control of our safety we're not expecting an accident so if you hear the horn <laughs> Let's call the emergency services. I mean, I've often thought, like, if you're going really slowly in a car, and we have this because we bought an electric car, and it's very quiet, and it's often that people, you know, as expected, don't necessarily hear you coming if you're coming slowly from a car park, and you basically need a bicycle bell. And I've yes. thought about, like, having a bicycle bell Amazing. on That's the... nice. You know, on the rear-view mirrors or, you know, the side mirrors, and just, like, going a little ding. Oh, and that I, would be lovely. And I don't want to, you know, oh, I don't want to do use the horn and threaten them and make them jump out of their skin you know? I know, I know anyway. what to give uh, Johnny for Christmas now yeah. that, that is <laughs> lovely I wonder if you can get plugins for your um, to change the noise well you definitely can change the noise of your get one of those car horn, can't you I, I wouldn't be honestly I wouldn't exactly. be surprised if it's illegal to do yeah, it yeah probably is you can give it one if you want Ben probably it's quick fire there it is oh, oh. <laughs> 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 the car next door is just slowed down a bit <laughs> Yes, right. Quick fire round. Uh, thanks, Tommy. Use of the horn. Hopefully that's clarified stuff for everybody. I liked the sketch. Um, time you're passing on an inside bend. Right, so this is about... We're on a motorway now. and We're on it. It's a multi-lane um, highway. And we have options of which lane to be in. I mean, I say that. Again, the highway code talks about... Actually, it's the outside lane. The left-hand lane is the driving lane, which yes. you should be in the whole time yes. unless you're overtaking in which you move out and then you use the other lanes outside of you then oh we've just moved back a lane <laughs> you you use the other lanes for overtaking and then when it's all clear you come back um, but what you can do to assist with that is use an inside bend uh, you know this is this comes back to classic physics uh, speed equals distance over time so if you've got a shorter distance to go on the inside of a bend at the same speed you will do it in a faster time and you can get past cars 
that are in front of you that are maybe going at the same speed or, or probably slightly slower, which is means which is why you've caught up with them in the first place. But if you don't really want to accelerate to above the speed limit to get past them, what you can do is just wait for that bend, then go for the overtake on the inside of that bend, and you should get get past them much quicker than you would if if you're waiting on this on the on a straight road because it, it's it does always feel a bit weird when you're overtaking somebody with a uh, a net difference of plus half a mile an hour. <laughs> it, 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 for me, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah you like you're cr- crawling past them, and I. This is so. This I don't know. The inspiration for this for me was yeah, that scenario where you're basically going just a tiny bit faster than the person in front, but not enough to like get around them quickly. And I don't know if you've ever had the opposite of this, is where you, you go to overtake somebody who's already going quite fast, and you go round them, but then the bend goes the other way. <laughs> yeah. And now you're in the outside bend, and actually you're, and you're not overtaking them at all. You're going backwards, yeah. and, and you're going faster and faster. Going, oh, this is faster than I wanted to be. And you're not going over take so actually it was just a really dumb simple thing isn't it just actually just like an, on a running track taking the inside line is much faster so wait for those sometimes it can really help i, I must hasten to add though that this is not applicable on uh, single lane roads where overtaking on a bend is a stupid idea at any time yeah just wanted to make that clear um something something i i occasionally do uh, on multi-lane highways if it's late at night and you've got a long journey what I tend to do if there's nobody about is actually just take the inside line when I'm not overtaking just to have a shorter road have a shorter route use save the, fuel use the road use the road it's there it's not its intended purpose of the lanes but save battery in your case then. exactly exactly um, does anyone else do that? I do that you do, yeah. yeah. Oh, if, you, if you look, if you look behind in the mirror, there's nobody around at all. Yes. Then you can just sort of go the straightest line, exactly. keep into the lanes roughly, you know. And if it yeah. is late at night, what I also find that it helps you stay focused as well because you're always <laughs> looking out for people behind you, <laughs> like more than you might do if uh, if you weren't switching lanes the whole time. Uh, that, yeah. That's that's my one. I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's great. Cool. Thanks, thanks for on. the sketch, Jono. Let's Sorry, move when on. When you say that's my one, as in you, are you Jono, they're, no, all they're all Jono sketches. <laughs> okay. I, just, can't, I can't sketch yeah. for Toffee. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, I did that one, you know. <laughs> I helped Jono out in a couple of these. No. All right, cool. The next one, next one's dead simple. Um, it's a really, yeah, it's a really straightforward point. Basically, I read... I read in an article, and it and it had a few things because in London, at any rate, there's a couple of places which have introduced like a no idling boroughs, for example. Yes. So you're not allowed to sit out on the street or outside a house and idle. And in particular, the thought was like idling around schools, for example. That was, I think, the first place where some of these uh, signs came up for it. Mm. And the article talked about the idea that actually every minute an idling car can produce enough exhausting emissions to fill 150 balloons Man. and wow yeah and, a minute, and a minute I, yeah. it was really just a, a, Sorry, yeah because a minute's a not that long right if you're sitting there waiting for something and i can understand that you know if, if it's really cold you often people will keep their engine on to to keep the uh keep the heating on for example but if you imagine 150 balloons of exhaust coming out of the back of the car every minute every minute I, I was just trying to go wow. well what does that look like and I actually drew 150 balloons for this and some of them wouldn't quite fit on the sketch which is more or less to, more or less very roughly to scale and it's just a re- remarkable amount and so um, obviously places are introducing no idling regardless but as a way for me just to go oh yeah that is actually really quite a lot maybe I should consider turning my engine off that was what really the sketch was sketch was about just trying to visualize because it's so I always think that exhaust emissions like you never wait you see them occasionally but most of the time you don't see them at all and so I thought just thought it'd be really interesting imagine if imagine if out of every car right now yeah were balloons of exhaust and they were going up but wouldn't that be a a fascinating little visual to see imagine from a motorway a busy motorway all of these balloons of exhaust coming up and obviously the message here is about idling and not sitting outside on the streets by your house house for example but yeah interesting way of visualizing it it is and you know with with a lot of messaging around sustainability and fuel efficiency and climate change 
it's really difficult because we can't see it, right? We can't see those emissions. And so in any yeah. way to help visualize that does help people's understanding of it. It, it is a phenomenal um, number, those those 150 balloons. But I think what's I think what's important, well, what I'd like to talk about with this is that within those emissions, you've got um, your climate change gases, yeah. but then you've also got the pollutants for air quality as well. And they are kind of two different things. And yeah. in a big city like London, Yes, climate change is always an issue, but air quality is becoming an increasingly significant issue for people's well-being, people's health. Of that balloon that's coming out, I wonder how much of that is CO2 in that balloon, how much of it is other, you know, carbon monoxide, soot, other bad things, and how much is just water vapour and air, you know, nitrogen that's coming out. I'd be interested to know how much of that balloon... Yeah. And to be fair, I don't know. And actually, you know, a number of people asked me when I first posted this, well, you know, what size are the balloons? And it depends <laughs> on the, the temperature yeah. of the gas coming out. And, um, and these are all these are all fair questions. I've, I feel like it's a normal sized balloon. But and, and you might well be right. There's a bunch of it's fine. But I do know that I wouldn't like to be breathing the yeah, stuff no. that's coming out of a car's exhaust no so matter what, what so so one statistic i do have which is which is related is that nearly half of air pollution in london is due to road vehicles wow so it's not it doesn't answer your question but it does yeah it does kind of set that up a little bit more and it, and in and john as you said we've got kind of pedestrianized zones uh no idling zones you've got lower speed limits now more in in london. I, I could keep talking about london because that's what i know um, there's obviously congestion charging and um, ULES, highly controversial at the moment, but you know it does a job for air quality. And technology does move along as well. You, you have start-stop technology with uh, a lot of vehicles lo- as well now, with traffic lights. It's, it's so brilliant the way that cars automatically turn off so um, quickly now. I really love that. So apparently cars 10 years old, cars around 10 years old use more fuel when they start up than... Uh, just idling after about 10 seconds so 10 seconds is like the rule if you're going to be stopped for more than 10 seconds then turn it off but modern cars um, that that doesn't apply so the start stop technology works really really well Mm. you know I I, I put a little note in the description I said but if you have an electric car this won't apply and I I got a bit of stick for it did you as if I was applying implying that everybody can Uh, afford an electric car and of course I was just saying that it doesn't do any emissions i didn't mean that at all but um that's well, what i was going to say i'm not clarified. implying that everybody can go buy an electric car absolutely you know we're just talking about reality here this is this is what happens i do get quite angry when i see people just idling yeah and I, so i saw someone at the supermarket the other day it was a hot day and there was a guy in the car he wasn't actually parked in a car park space he was parked right outside the supermarket so you know, obviously somebody who was with has popped in for something quickly so he, I, my assumption is he had the air conditioning on and he had a seat right back and he was asleep. I was very tempted to go and bang on the window, wake him up and say, oi, turn your engine off, yeah. son. You, I, I didn't. Yes. <laughs> but it made me angry for about two hours afterwards. Um, so you and I spent quite a lot of time in Canada and America. In Canada especially, they would leave their cars on a lot. Oh, yeah. And it's so massive cold. trucks. And partially because it's so cold, partially because they got so much fuel, partially it was just a, a, a thing. And it, it, I really struggled in these lovely parts, especially where you've got mm. these trucks, small trucks, big trucks, left idling. It was like, come on, turn it turn it off. It is the annoying. The noise, the emissions, the, it just it's just wrong that said though I bet we've all done it once or twice when it's really cold or it's really hot and you just need a bit, a bit of an yeah. escape from the and when the, the temperatures get to minus 30 in Calgary yeah. you can understand uh, yeah. it. so it's all uh, I think the, the one which I think really needs to happen is ice cream vans ah, so, so ah. there is something about these though in the fact that the ice cream van engine is actually providing the ice cream yeah yeah and you have like queues of kids Standing outside the window yeah. of a vehicle, sucking up out the fumes, fumes all day long. Like it doesn't make sense to me. But well, I'm, I'm sure it will change. But yeah, but I, the the yeah. engine is actually providing the ice cream. It's making the ice cream. I know. I think what yeah. I think what we're saying is let's start a Sketchplanations, the podcast <laughs> campaign, to for ice cream van drivers to convert to electric. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because you'll get even more people emailing oh. Johnny. Well, no, I mean, I, I, 
So like, it, I think you'll look back and you'll be like, this is mad. It is I've mad. Got, it I've is got mad. 20 kids queuing outside this thing. And I don't care if it's making the ice cream or not. Find another way to make the ice cream. Find another way. I watched a program about uh, ice cream machines, and what I didn't realise is so the the compre- you know the Mr Whippy that sort of makes it as you pull the handle down. Yeah. That ice cream is being made from water and air simultaneously, basically as he pulls the handle. Okay. And that requires a huge amount of compression to do it. And there's an American guy invented this compressor to do it. But the amount of power you actually need to create that was resulted in this huge machine and this british guy invented a way of basically using the truck's engine to provide the power to do it which is why which is a clever idea which which is why ice cream trucks with the mr whippy could be created in the first place kind of thing now i agree Jono. it is horrible when you're at a beach and there's an ice cream van and the lorry's just on and there's fumes coming out the back and you're getting ice creams on the side. I completely agree, but it isn't just because they've left the air. You know, no, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't blaming you. I was just, just saying it's a bit, it's a bit crazy. Um, yeah. And I don't know if they can do it with a. Well, I'm sure they could We've do it. We put men on the moon for goodness sake. Surely we can find a way of making Mr. Whippy ice creams with less energy. <laughs> with less energy or with, or or you with just gle- greener energy. As you say, there must be a way of uh, doing it with uh, greener energy. Anyway, this is quick. This is quick fire. We're getting <laughs> off track. <laughs> if you want to bags. listen to our episode on Mr. Whippy ice creams, <laughs> do you <laughs> like week. Mr. Whippy ice creams? Oh, can we do an episode where we're eating Mr. Whippy ice creams or, or any ice creams? That's right. the beach episode test. Right, oh. let's uh, let's move on. Jono, thank you. Uh, idling cars. Um, Tom, we're going to come to you. What's your second choice of sketches relating to cars or being on the road? The Doppler effect. Now, the Doppler effect is that uh, thing that when a police car, an ambulance is coming towards you, the sound coming out of the siren makes a different pitch, a different noise as it's coming towards you in comparison to when it's going away from you. And that's because the speed of the car uh, is being added to the speed of sound. And Jono, I really hope that I'm not uh, destroying that. That's not bad. That's not a bad description of the Doppler effect. It is the phenomena of... Uh, the best example a siren as it comes past it changes pitch and that's the sound waves being squashed towards you as the source of the siren comes closer and then being stretched as it um, heads off a further distance past you it's also got a very cool name like named, just Doppler just sort of <laughs> it, 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 it does it Robbie it's, na- can, it's named after the Austrian physicist who discovered it uh, which is lucky. Christian Doppler Christian Doppler yeah. it just sort of seems to fit with the kind of wave and sound in my mind cool. um there's there's an interesting little um, anecdote about its discovery though so yeah um so discovered uh by our austrian physicist christian doppler uh in 1842 the theory of which but it was a dutch mathematician who has an even better name oh. christoph hendrik diedrich Beisballet, <laughs> uh who successfully proved the doppler effect using brass musicians on board a steam train in 1845 <laughs> So uh, someone with a trombone or a trumpet on the steam train, in it comes. As it comes through the station and then people on the station observing it as it comes in and heads off. And I think they measured it as well. Brilliant. There's a brilliant little uh, video uh, clip on the BBC website you can see about this as well. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I I think trains are really interesting because before the invention of trains and train travel yes it, it was quite difficult to do any of those kind of experiments you imagine you're like somebody trying to run along and play a brass instrument or somebody on the back of a horse yeah trying to, like we just didn't have Not like steady travel in a no. in a straight line to test things yeah. about like acceleration and, and yeah. speed yeah i think it's and, yeah, and no one and before trains no one had ever gone beyond the speed of a you know, galloping horse. Well, let's say like, there was such concern that all our like brains were going to get splattered right? out when you got to kind of like fifty miles an hour, and we'd all die. Some great evidence of this is obviously in Back to the Future Three, eighteen eighty five. Yes, you need to get up to eighty eight miles per hour. Gives no fuel in the DeLorean, so what are you going to oh. do? You got to stick it onto train tracks and train, figure it out that way. Wait for the trains to arrive, as you say. <laughs> highly scientific evidence. There. Highly scientific evidence. And From had you a been factual there, film. Had you been there, you would have witnessed the Doppler effect as it came past. Yeah, I should say it's not just sound, though. It's just waves. It's a property of waves in yes. general. Basically, like, yeah, if, if a wave is coming out of a source and, and it is coming towards you, it's basically catching up with the waves which it's sending out. And so they're becoming sort of squished 
in comparison yeah. and same opposite if it's going away they get stretched and so it doesn't have to be like sound traveling through air um so the doppler effects using all sorts of stuff and it was using um it was using some of like the early gps things and it's also used oh. you know it's used in like speed cameras and i remember i read a really interesting book about um precision i think it was and it talked about the early experiments that led to gps and some of the things where they put basically like a um an, an emitter in the back of a car and drove it away and by ta- by checking on the receiver how the pitch was shifted you could tell the speed of the car for yeah, example cool. and of course they do that in reverse when yeah. you have like a speed camera at the side of the road like a, a speed gun for example that kind of thing and so yeah the, like it, the Doppler effect as a whole has just had tons of different applications I think it was also used um, has some uses in like measuring the speed of the blood traveling through your veins you can sort of shine rays into your body and see how the the reflections are coming back differently based on the speed of the blood all, all sorts of applications for the Doppler effect very practical right moving on uh my second one is uh about the piston interestingly this is one of i don't know if it's the only one Jono, but it's one of very few sketches on sketch explanations where you have an animation instead of a stationary sketch Mm. depicting the piston uh a reciprocal motion back and forth a piston inside a cylinder uh, connected to a wheel so um the piston is brilliant for translating reciprocal motion into rotational motion and the the animation is wonderful, John. Have you got any other animations up there? I, I Moving have images? Just a couple. I think I've got like three animations. And and the the plain fact is, I'm not I'm not an animator. I don't use animating software all the time, and it just takes so much longer to do an animation <laughs> than anything else. Um, and I will say also, they're not always quite as practical. Like it's great if your thing shows. Um, whatever you're viewing it on is shows an animation but you, you know you can't print it out and get the same thing you can't put, put it on a poster or whatever and still get the same view so anytime i've done something where i've had multiple frames you still have to think about okay well if this was a static image what would it be but i do think for the for the piston it's quite nice i quite like just loading it up and looking at it yeah. going around <laughs> It is. It's quite. It's quite <laughs> hypnotic, and it, I mean, it's so widely used, right? The piston. We we're using them now. I don't know how many. Uh, probably there are, there six. Are four. Four. Uh, four. Yeah. Ben, ben, as a non-engineer, do you, are, you, are you aware of a piston and a cylinder? Kind of what the the basics of what that is? I think it's a basketball team, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ben's got three pedals. Well, and well a no, I'm just wheel. I'm just interested because in in I, I know what a piston is because I've you know spent loads of time around them and that's the kind of stuff I enjoy but probably not everybody does know exactly what a piston is no and, and how it works so yeah okay but you, and how common but, they are and how they created the industrial revolution well, steam engine piston yeah, incredibly the first piston is thought to date back to around 150 BC um, for use in metalworks um, pumping air to um, create the heat yes. to, to melt metal yes and it's been, I mean, well, and it's been developed is, and pushed on. Yeah, a, a, a syringe, syringe is almost, a a, yeah, yeah. Not half of one. <laughs> but the piston here is where we're very much talking about reciprocal motion, back and forth, back and forth. Yes. To get rotary motion. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously oh, used in internal combustion engines is probably what we most know it for, where yeah. it's been refined and refined so that you get more efficiency, more power, Just cl- cleanliness of emissions. For, for me, the I think the the genesis of bothering to do this sketch for me was was reading one time that what a piston does is convert linear motion into rotational motion and i just you know i'd seen pistons on the side of steam trains and i knew that they were in cars but i just never thought about it so clearly that you're just taking something which is going back and forth along a straight line and what the piston does is it turns that into rotating a cylinder instead and i just think that's really clever and then if if you take yeah as you'd say if you take four of those and you time it all correctly and then get them all out you know operating at the correct sink then you have a car with constant movement it's just really clever application of a super simple principle i think the going back to driving test my my driving instructor when we're you know when you're 
in a manual car, you're changing gear. He taught he taught me to think about the clutch plates coming together as I'm lifting that yes. the clutch pedal. Mm. Um, yes. And and I did. I visualised that, and then I visualised that for ages. And as a continuation of that, a lot of the time I spent in the car when I had an internal combustion engine car was thinking about the different moving parts: the clutch plates, the piston, the suspension, what's happening when you go over a bump with your yeah, tires and your wheels and and brakes. Actually, visualising what's going on. I mean, that's I don't know. That's probably just me. I don't know. You did end up as a, an engineer, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just enjoy, I enjoy when, that visualisation. Yeah. So this, this sketch for me is lovely. It's, it's just a, a, it's, it's a lovely, simple engineering principle, isn't it? Um, you can also use it the other way around, right? Rotational for linear. Yes. You, you, you turn a crank round and round and round, and what you get out is um, a linear back and forth motion. You can use that. Yes. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I believe I'm trying you. to think of a. I'm trying to think of an application where you use it. It's, well, it's uh, you might much use less it common, like cutting. You're having something like a blade that's slicing back and forth. Pump or pump? Yeah, you might use. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There are other methods for that. One's called a Scotch yoke, I think. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds tasty. <laughs> the piston. Have a look. If you don't know what it is, you'll know straight away. Let's move on. Um, should we go one more round each? Uh, Jono, we're back to you. Yeah. So I was going to touch on something um, really simple sketch. It was called the windscreen phenomenon. Um, and I don't know if you've heard about it, but essentially it's, it's, it's a very tangible observation and the sketch just has like essentially two trucks. And it, maybe it's, it's showing my age, but like even when I started driving, and it's, it's actually from before that. So the example gives 1970. If you were to go drive on the roads or the motorways then, it was a very common thing to be, if you were driving on a long journey, that your windscreen would get splattered up with dead bugs and um, so every common thing you stop at a service station and you clean your windscreen of all these bugs or your headlights of the bugs and I do remember some of that as a kid and the windscreen phenomenon is that that doesn't tend to happen anymore mm-hmm. and that if you go on a long journey you won't tend to have to clean off loads of bugs from your windscreen case in point look ahead yeah it's a perfectly clean clear windscreen with not a single dead bug on it which obviously is sad for any dead bugs but what it shows is that there are way fewer potentially insects flying insects around than there were 30 40 years ago and insect numbers i think are quite a difficult thing as you can imagine to keep track of very so like you know how do you how do you know how many of any particular type of fly there is around in the world at any one point and the answer is it's very difficult to find out but the windscreen phenomenon is this thing which really is gradual observation that if you go driving now you won't tend to have to clear off many windscreen bugs from your windscreen whereas if you did that in 1970 you'd be all smeared up and you'd have to clean them off so that's that's what it is but it's really yeah, it's about a potentially troubling decline of insect numbers it uh, is in the wild yeah I find it really interesting and want to know more about it because of that what you're saying John that it is actually very difficult to measure um, this metric and and so it's something that's quite it's almost quite perverse way of of trying to track it or have any kind of um, measurement or monitoring of it it's not the nicest way to measure up but you know I often think about that of, of any like biologists or ecologists like how on earth do you get the data on what these what these animals are doing like i think you know this we still don't know where you know blue whales go to breed or something like that but you know these things are really difficult you got mm. you've got to like be there somewhere in the middle of the ocean at some particular day for that one but yeah how do you how do you count insect numbers i don't know <laughs> but with the windscreen phenomenon yeah. we've got all of these cars on the road all the time um I, I mean, I did. I read a couple of studies about this. There was one in Denmark um, between 1997 and 2017. Through a concerted look at the number of dead bugs on uh, on windscreens along two stretches of the same road, an 80% decline was measured between 1997 and 2017. That was on this one road in Denmark. Maybe there were special considerations to take in there. But and another one in the UK in 2004, 40,000 people attached sticky films to their license plates. Um, and from that, it was kind of averaged out and concluded that you'd get one insect collision every five miles on average. But then they did it again in um, 2019, or the Kent Wildlife Trust did it again. 
2019, 50% reduction in splats. And then the Kent Wildlife Trust did it again in 2021. It showed a 72% reduction since 2004. So, mm. I mean, if you look at those two studies, a definite decline. Mm. Yeah, so and I think, you know, insects are the, are the, the base of the food chain in many ways. Mm. And so much eventually relies on them, just like plankton in the sea. It, you know, it's insects on land and in, and in the air. And, the plankton um, of the air. Yeah, and so I... I, I don't know when I when I read about this. I guess it, it's easy to think about insects as like pests or annoying, or they bite you, or what they land on your food or whatever. But actually, was to yeah, it gave me a slightly different perspective actually to to treasure them and realize how how important they are. And actually, you should be really. I mean, it seems really weird to say it, doesn't it? You should be really glad if there's loads of, like, flies buzzing around or, mm. you know, lo- lots of insects in some area. Nobody ever says that. But actually, it's really it's really important. Exactly. A, ne- a necessary inconvenience, right? Yeah. The, For a yeah. sustainable world. As you said, John, I think it's very difficult to measure certain insect levels. It does seem to be pointing to the fact that there is a large reduction happened in the last 20 years and, and certainly probably last 50 years there's also a lot more cars on the road um and so i wonder if that has any kind of effect um and what's hilarious is you could read into that that insect intelligence has clearly mm. increased significantly because they're that much better at dodging yeah. uh, cars you seems, read it as you wish seems unlikely that that is the case but that is a sort of an example of how uh, data um has to be uh yeah, obviously it's not that, but uh, it could point towards that conclusion. You, they, all the dumb insects got squashed on the windscreens, and all the smart ones. Exactly, they just—they've yeah, exactly. just worked out you got to—you got to um, fly above cars and not through them. And the, the, <laughs> I do—I do genuinely sometimes think about you know when are the animals going to kind of work some of this stuff out? Like, why why are cats and like. And it why is it all the, down to humans to why, prevent well, the decline yeah, how of the come, earth? How come? How <laughs> come? It's it's obviously it's well known as to why humans are improving in our intelligence and improving in stuff. But at the same time, you're kind of like, but the orcas recently, the killer whales, are one animal that do seem to be, uh, you know, having a bit of a go. At is this the attacking things. the boats? Yeah, yeah, and finding, and nobody really knows why they're doing it. But um, imagine though, if all the animals decided to fight back against us yeah. including the insects including the insects <laughs> Christ doesn't bear thinking about it does it well yeah, yeah. But, and, and we don't have to think about it because it's not really going to happen but well so what, one um, proposed explanation for at least in part the reduction in insects is uh, an increased use of pesticides in agriculture I guess and farming and, and probably domestically as well actually yeah very likely um, what, but I did, I did read another stat that with modern design of vehicles that are more aerodynamic than, yes. say, 20, 30 years ago, actually, it, it was could found... Just be it was, no, it's found the opposite, that the more boxy vehicles had fewer splats on their windscreen than the aerodynamic. I know. That's because the speed of the air, I suppose, around them was faster. I don't know. That, that, that was part of the findings from the... Um, uh, the sticky license plate stuff they did down in Kent. Interesting. Curious. Curious. Right, let's move on. That's the windscreen phenomenon. Thank you very much, Johnny. Uh, right, I'm going to round things off with a um, bit of advice to anybody driving. Um, tiredness can kill. Take a break. Um, it's estimated that around 4% of fatal road crashes and 2% of all collisions in Britain are down to fatigue at the wheel. There we go. There we go. There's a bit We're of braking going hard. on, a bit of traffic. Thankfully, our driver, Ben, doing an expert job, by the way. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. This is great. Keeping his eye open. No no tiredness there, despite the many miles he's travelled to pick us up. <laughs> <laughs> and still miles to go. Uh, we'll probably pull into services yet. But So those, those statistics, 4% um, fatigue responsible, 4% of... Um, fatal road crashes and two percent of all collisions oh. it's likely that those factors are probably quite a bit higher though right because it's very hard to test for like uh, the decline of bugs it's very hard to test for fatigue unlike drink driving or drugs or whatever else it might be it's funny though isn't it it's interesting that there's not a straight up tiredness test i can't be like i'm 50 percent tired mm. and you're objectively 60 percent tired yeah yeah blood is- yeah, there genuinely isn't level. any way of testing t- 
tiredness, is there? Like, you can do, you know, breath tests for alcohol. Press-ups. Physical tiredness, yeah. <laughs> you can Scale give them a, a multi... Here's, here's an iPad, you've got to do this test. It, it reminds yeah. me... I, I You're did... clinically knackered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did a, a really simple sketch of, like, uh, comparing Fahrenheit and Celsius. And there's obviously stories behind the scales. But it's interesting to think that before you had those scales, stuff was either just hot or cold or really hot or really cold <laughs> yeah and you know if i say something's really hot your thing might be way hotter but, but who knows and because there was no actual way to measure it but we're still we're still just like that with tiredness aren't we we are funny so what john very helpfully suggests in the sketches that uh, caffeine can help with that help keep you awake but i guess you need to be aware of the effects of caffeine as well different for different people how long that might be able to last but typically when you're on the road isn't it take a break every two hours on long journeys is that is that the recommended amount i believe so i don't know if you do if you do take a break and you want some caffeine that caffeine can take a little while to kick in mm. so um you know you could have a little nap mm. or get what, someone else to drive you I, I really do like this it's excellent yeah so i learned that it's called a nappuccino nice which is <laughs> Is, is like you you drink the coffee but it takes a little while for the oh. caffeine to really get yes. into the bloodstream and take effect and or wherever it goes um, and so you drink the coffee you sleep for 15 minutes and that's given the coffee time to do its do its thing and then you can carry on going there's a, a sketch I'll link to it in the comment but talk about the half-life of caffeine because you know the length yeah. of time that it stays in your body so if you drink a coffee it takes about uh up to 45 minutes to get the maximum effect of that but then it takes a long slow time for that to to come out of your of your system which is why they, obviously they recommend not drinking too much coffee late in the afternoon otherwise you won't get to sleep unless yeah. you're my parents who can apparently have double espressos after dinner and they're fine I don't yeah know. it's different, different people, <laughs> i don't it? know how they do that i don't i don't mind a coffee yeah. late at night yeah. um <laughs> There we go. Thank you, and good to end on uh, on some very sound advice on the road. Great. That was that was very fun, boys. Um, ben, how how's that for you as our, our very willing and very able driver? I'm well, still able awake. definitely. He's still awake. <laughs> Get that guy a coffee. Good start. Ben, anything we've talked about there that uh, you might consider differently now on the road? Or one, one thing that's made me feel very guilty is the Ooh. idling because <gasps> yeah, I thought it would affect you more than most, Robbie. <laughs> because we sometimes, with our four-month-old and our two-year-old, idle them outside of the house if they're sleeping. Because if uh, you turn the engine off, they wake up, and yeah. that's not going to happen again. I promise you. Wow. Yeah. When they start screaming, you can blame Uncle Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what is what good is that going to do? I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Here we are on our high horse, actually quite high up in the 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 horse of the uh, Volvo XC90 it's a lovely driving position I must say um, but yeah everyone's got their stuff to deal with right Jono Tommy anything you want to add on uh, on what we've talked about on uh, road issues road safety road worries concerns hmm. no good question but I, now I, I know to leave long silences there now because it just be could be people yeah. thinking they don't have to yeah, do you have know what there, there was there was one sketch which I thought you, Here would, pick, we go. you would pick out um, I won't go into it too much because it, but it's really short which was that our sensors is the idea that our sensors are built to take in information at human pace oh uh, yeah and I, I think it's a really nice observation from the uh, in the art of travel by I think Alan de Botan who talks about uh, well actually he talks about trains being, being being just perfect for thought but in general for our senses in some ways like being in a car is just too it's too fast to take in everything that's going on mm. he says that's quite a nice thing with the train because you can't actually focus on the outside and what's happening so you you get to focus in on your thoughts but the idea mm. is that our senses actually take in information best at walking and maybe at, at cycling sort of pace and beyond that you're not really engaged with the with the outside world anyway it's I, it's it's a really s simple sketch but it's a really lovely point i think and I, I think about it quite often when you're if you're whizzing along uh, was it 736 miles an hour in the bloodhound or something obviously you're not <laughs> taking it taking things in fully versus if you go for a walk or a cycle that's the way you take in your surroundings the best when you're traveling
I did. I, there's another sketch. It's not directly related at all. I never, never actually connected it. But there's one about the middle floors being the best in apartment buildings. I remember and, you talking about this when you lived in San Francisco yeah, in a high rise. Yeah, exactly. And I, my experience was, if you're right on like the first or second floors, you're basically still fully connected to the road and the people and the things that are going on right outside. Yeah. And if you're right at the very top floors, you're completely disconnected from them. In that you might as well be in a plane, just like looking down at a city on like a map. Whereas if you're in the middle, you're you're just connected enough that you can sort of see everything that's going on and you're associated with it. But it's also not enough to like disturb you in any way. You're you're disconnected from it. And it's actually yeah, there's some parallels to the sort of speeds of travel there. Mm. There we go. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Food for thought. Food for thought. Well, that's nine sketches on driving that we've covered there, 10 or 11 actually, if you count those last two. And as we're approaching our destination of Buxton here in the car, the podcast is also reaching its conclusion. What a ride. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the series if you haven't already. And just like an Uber driver, you can always give us a rating too. That'd be nice. Please continue to keep winging your comments and messages our way as well. Always fun. And we'll be going through this week's post bag in just a minute. Next week, we'll be back to the standard single sketch format. And as this episode was a a little bit of a bonus one for us, I'm not actually sure what's coming up next week. Um, But uh, at the very worst, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, For now, we're going to pop into the next services. We've got four Nappuccinos on order. We'll find a place to park. Handbrake firmly on. Don't forget to bring the litter out with you, Tommy. Come on, mate. Until next week, stay well and go well. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye, Ben. Thanks for driving us, mate. All music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com.